Psalm 4, to the chief musician on Neganoth, a psalm of David. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. O ye sons of men, how long will ye turn my glory into shame? How long will ye love vanity and seek after leasing? Selah. But know that the Lord hath set apart him that is godly for himself. The Lord will hear when I call unto him. Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. Offer the sacrifices of righteousness and put your trust in the Lord. There be many that say, Who will show us any good? Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. All right, so we are looking at Psalm 4 today, and this is a fun, it's a beautiful psalm, right? Um, I'm really, it's kind of one of those things that you can just read and feel good after reading, uh, so that's always nice. I have a couple of general comments about it, like the structure and um, just the general point, and then I like to have a longer discussion about verse 4, which I think was probably the most fun uh, part of our conversation as a group. Uh, so let's get started with just the subtitle to the chief musician on Neganoth, a Psalm of David. So as you can guess from the context that it's on Neganoth, uh, it's some kind of stringed instrument, harpish-like perhaps, um, since David was quite the musician on the harp we know. But um, probably some kind of stringed instrument. And apparently these subtitles, these instructions, are kind of appended to the previous psalms. So this was kind of connected to Psalm 3, but um, historians believe that it's an instruction for the next psalm rather than for the preceding psalm. And so that's why it's put underneath the heading for Psalm 4. And this is an instruction that's given in several other psalms, um, including uh, 6, 54, 55, and a couple of others. So we'll see the, this in the future, and it could be that it means something about the tune or the um, style of the piece as well, but we really have, I have no idea. <laughs> I'm sure some people have um, made some comments about it, but that's just what the heading means. And we know that it is a Psalm of David. Another thing is that this is really connected to Psalm 3 in that it is a contrast with day and night. So Psalm 3 is considered the morning psalm because, you know, I awoke for the Lord sustained me. And then if we look in Psalm 4, verse 8, we end with, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep. For thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. Uh, and in Psalm 3, it says, I laid me down and slept. I awaked, for the Lord sustained me. So you can see this kind of linking sleep and waking only due to the mercies of the Lord. 
So that's um, kind of a cool thing with Psalm 3 and 4, how they, they're paired in that way. Another link to Psalm 3 is in verse 6, uh, the second part, Lord, lift thou up the light of thy countenance upon us. Now, if think back to the last time, and do you remember any lifting um, going on, lifting of the countenance especially? So it says in verse 3 of Psalm 3, But thou, O Lord, art a shield for me, my glory, and the lifter of mine head. So God in Psalm 3 is lifting uh, David's head up, you know, like, you know, chin up kind of thing. And then in Psalm 4, the Lord is lifting up the light of his countenance upon him. So God is now, uh, in, in Psalm 3, he's lifting up David's face saying, you know, look at me. And then in Psalm 4, he is looking at his people and shining the light of the countenance upon them. So I, I think that's cool. And I, I think if we looked more in depth, we could see more and more references um, throughout uh, pairings. And um, not just because Psalm 3 and 4 are so closely paired, but also because these are themes that run throughout the Psalms that uh, David is expressing. And other writers as well are going to be expressing these same themes of God looking upon his people, of us looking upon God, of us claiming God's righteousness, of us um, trusting God for our waking up and for our going to bed. And the theme uh, that we've seen in all the Psalms so far, and will continue to see continually, pops up in verse 1 of this Psalm, and that is the righteous man, and who the righteous man is, and how they obtain righteousness. So let's look at verse one. Hear me when I call, O God of my righteousness. Thou hast enlarged me when I was in distress. Have mercy upon me and hear my prayer. Okay, so if we just read this first part, O God of my righteousness, that is not, uh, that, that implies to us that David is recognizing that God is the one who possesses the righteousness. The God of my righteousness is um, saying that God has given David righteousness. He is the owner. He is the God. And he is the true possessor of the righteousness that David has. So David, even in, in the first verse, he's acknowledging that God's gift to him is righteousness and that it is not something that he has done himself. Now, the fun part that I mentioned in verse 4 is, Stand in awe and sin not. Commune with your own heart upon your bed and be still. Selah. And this verse we talked about for a while because it is referenced in Ephesians 4.26. And here it's translated um, by Paul. He says, he uses the Greek word for anger rather than for um, general um, awe and standing in awe. So he says, be angry and sin not uh, in Ephesians. And 
in the Psalms, though, it's really, they use a word that's not really clear what it means. So some translations will translate it, be angry and sin not. Um, Others will say, stand in awe. I think other people said, like, tremble. So there's lots of kind of different interpretations, but it's basically this word for really strong emotion, um, this feeling inside of anger or terror and awe that I think is best captured by awe, frankly, because it's just like, ah, um, but it's also, there's a little bit of anger in there. It's just kind of this very strong emotion. And we had this long conversation, uh, with people being like, is it okay? Wait, is it really okay to be angry? Can you really be angry and sin not? And, this reminded me, I listened to the Bible Project episode um, about, I believe it was about anger, but regardless, the thing that I remembered about it <laughs> was that in the Old Testament, in the parts of the Bible where God is sharing his covenant with people, um, we know these verses like, God is slow to wrath, and plenteous in mercy, and, you know, always abounding in steadfast love. That's how it goes. And the literal translation for the phrase slow to anger or slow to wrath is of long nostril. Okay. So, (laughs) so the picture that they have in Hebrew for being slow to anger is, um, that it takes a long time for the smoke, you know, to come out of the nostrils. And, you know, when people are breathing hard and angry and emotional, it's this nostrily thing, okay? That's, that's how they describe it. It's nostrils going on. And I think that this speaks to the general philosophy of Hebrew is really quite different in some ways than the philosophy of Western culture. And that when we think of anger, we think instinctively of anger directed at someone, right? Like, I am so angry at my sister because she took my toy or she tattled on me. Or I'm so angry at the government for raising my taxes, you know. And you're angry at people and it's got this vitriol level um, that is kind of, we instinctively know is bad, right? We shouldn't hate people. And that's kind of the the link that we take logically from anger to hate, basically. And I don't think that's how the Hebrews thought of it. Because the, when you think about, you know, being long nostrils, this is like a state of being and feeling that is not necessarily directed at someone. You know, the language is so much more visual and poetic, just naturally, you know, it's this, the metaphors are everywhere. And it's like, I feel like I'm trembling, like I feel like my nostrils are swelling or, or something, or, or flaring, you know, that is saying something different than I am angry at you, right? And So I think that this is a translation problem, not just in words, but in concepts. Um, Because I think that we can have this, an emotional response that is not sinful, right? Like, 
if someone really wrongs you and you have an emotional response, that's not sin, right? It's the indulgence, perhaps, of an emotional response could be sinful. Um, A deliberate choice to hate someone or to think ill of someone uh, or to deny someone's personhood and image of God Ness, <laughs> image of godness, um, that would be sinful. But this emotion that we have, this, the nostrils being long or short, you know, that's not necessarily sinful. And so I just, that's the thoughts, those are the thoughts that I had on that. Um, and I think that's why Paul is able to say, you know, be angry and sin not. Um, it's like, yeah, it's okay to have emotion. But don't let that emotion turn you into some, bring you to some thought pattern that is sinful. And maybe this is very, you know, Western culture Greeky of me to say, oh, the emotions and the thoughts are separate. And yes, this is all very complicated uh, when you start getting into how languages affect our thought processes and what is the mind and what is the soul. And I'm not going to get into that. I kind of did, but I'm not going to go more into it because I just wanted to point out that um, this psalm does mention, talk about emotions, you know, and how emotions are not necessarily sinful, but do not allow, do not allow your emotions to cause you to sin. Speaking of emotions, we can look at verse seven and here's another one. Thou hast put gladness in my heart more than in the time that their corn and their wine increased. So again, we have another picture of harvest time, right? And harvest time immediately gives you this picture of joy and celebration because the harvest has come in and there will be food for the winter and, you know, it's a successful year and there's just happiness. But more than that happiness of success and of provision uh, from the harvest is the knowledge that God is with you, right? It's God's light upon you is more provision and success and righteousness that you could ever attain from harvest time, from being full and feasting with your family. That is not as good as being with God. And this is another comment about emotions is that Yes, emotions are great. We can feel them and they are given to us by God and it's not sinful. No no emotion, I don't believe, in and of itself that is an emotion is sinful, right? If you start getting into like, hate, that's not an emotion. It's not pure emotion. That's like a directed emotion. So that's kind of a distinction I would make. But No emotion in and of itself is sinful. It's all a gift from God. But knowledge of God and appreciation of God and God's work in our lives can also moderate or mediate our emotions. And our knowledge of God will help to put gladness in our heart Um, more than in the happiest human moments. We can always have this deep-seated joy and gladness because of who God is and what he has done for us. And that is Psalm 4. 
I am going to end there and I hope that you enjoyed that little discussion about nostrils and um, emotions because, you know, I'm a girl, I have feelings and so do men. I'm sorry, I'm getting sidetracked. The podcast is over. I'm going to end it and um, please like, subscribe, comment, rate, all of those good things and I hope you have a wonderful week.